and welcome to Women in Retail Talks, the podcast where C-suite executive women in the retail space share their stories of professional growth, leadership development, personal journeys, and more. I'm Marie Albajez at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, a membership-based community of executive women at leading retailers and brands. Today, I'm joined by Emma Minto, the Senior Vice President and General Manager of the Americas for Crocs. Emma's a longtime Nike veteran who joined Crocs in February, 2021, to oversee all operations for the brand's Americas region. In this episode, we're discussing her career journey through Nike, what brought her to Crocs, and how she encourages her team to follow the Crocs mantra of come as you are. Em, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to today. Yeah, I was wondering if you could just start uh, with telling us a little bit about what you do at Crocs, what your day-to-day looks like. Well, as, as you mentioned, I oversee all operations for Crocs Americas region. So that's inclusive of marketing, merchandising, sales, planning, finance operations across uh, all of our channels. So our integrated marketplace being retail, wholesale, and digital. Awesome. And I want to talk more about your time at Crocs, but first I want to go back a little bit. You spent 16 years at Nike in various roles. I know you started as the strategic planning director for Global Women's Fitness, and you left as the VP and GM of Nike Women's North America. So I'm curious what kind of propelled you to go forward and into the ranks of the company and and what skills did you utilize the most when you were going through that journey? Yeah, my career, I I often describe as as multiple careers within a career at Nike. Uh, And and I was able to to have many experiences when I was there. But really at the base of it all is I made a really conscious decision at Nike to take a a very meaningful and purposeful path, but it wasn't necessarily a linear one. So I really prioritized developing cross-functional expertise to establish my credibility and to really develop the skills needed to have a, a holistic view of the business, which paved my path to general management and business leadership. So even from the beginning, my North Star, as I would refer to it, was to become a general manager and oversee increasingly large parts of the business. And my, my path was to figure out how could I build the skills to be able to do that well? That's so interesting. Why did you decide to kind of go the more general route? I think a lot of people, when they're in the beginning or middle of the career, they are torn be- between wanting to be an expert in one subject or one aspect of the retail industry. And you chose to go kind of more broadly. Talk about that decision. I think there's a couple of things at play. Uh, One is overall at the heart of things, I consider myself a consumerist. I love to think about how consumers interact with brands, how as a brand we can serve the needs of the consumer, whether they're spoken or unspoken. And in order to do that, that's where all of these integrated functions come to play, whether we think about what is the product that, that, that we're making for them. Where is the place that we're making sure it's there for them to be able to interact with an experience? How do we think about uh, you know, where they can find it and, and who is influencing them to do that? And so that becomes much more of the looking at, at the systems. And I'm very much a systems or network thinker. So for me, pulling together those pieces is what I enjoy most and what motivates me. And all of that is really basically the components of 
the generalist and the general manager. To your point, in order to come up through a, a lot of larger organizations, you have to think about functional experience, which is where I became very purposeful very early in my career about what functional experience did I want to gain? And in order to gain multiple components of, of different pipelines of experience, what was I willing to do in terms of taking step back or taking risk? A couple of those examples are early in my career when I was in strategic planning and wanted to get closer into the business and move into apparel at Nike. I made the decision to maintain a role within strategic planning, but to move to the North America apparel group and actually took a step back in terms of the level of my role in order to be able to get closer to the business, learn the elements, and then ultimately uh, have the trust and the support of the team to be able to move into the apparel organization where I moved into the kids apparel business in a merchandising and creation role. So that, that decision on the, on the sort of not necessarily the linear path or taking some risk, that would be an example of that. The second would be when I went into retail. I wanted to pick up some experience in retail. And in order to do that, A, I was very transparent with, with leaders in the organization about what, I, what skills I was trying to pick up and the experience I was looking for. And B, I was willing to take what might not be a traditional role within my path. And I moved into global retail operations. So for a consumerist who was used to being, uh, you know, really touching the consumer, running the commercial side of a business, looking at product, et cetera, uh, to move into retail operations was a fairly different uh, experience. But I wanted to make sure that I understood retail from an insider's view of the world. And so I, I made that move and, and worked uh, in global retail operations service and experience, and, and ultimately into real estate and construction as well. And that move was probably one of the most significant and best moves I made in terms of uh, thinking about how I can propel myself forward and prepare myself for the moving dynamics of the marketplace today. Yeah, you're definitely not the first that you, we've had on this podcast who has had kind of the nonlinear and taken a step back. I think we had the CEO of M Design, Stacey Renfro, on last time, she was saying the same thing that in order to move her career forward, she took a step back, uh, a step that was lower in the in the roles than she was used to, and it you know led her to great things. So I'm glad that you said that. I wanted to ask also. You said that you were very transparent about what you wanted and what kind of skills you were looking for with your executive team. I wonder how, how, how do you convey that to your, your leadership, to your boss? I think that's a tough conversation to have. I, uh, I built something long ago where, you know, some people will talk about the North star of where they want to go. I, I often reference it as my center square. And the reason I call it my center square is that I literally built a piece of paper that said at the center, is being a general manager, whether that was of a, at a regional or a global level, or whether it was within retail or in the Nike world in the category level, but that was my center square. And I built around the square, what are the experiences that I think would make a great general manager? So that would include finance and strategy, marketing, sales, product, 
operations. So all of those pieces were around it. And I started to build in what are the experiences I did have or what are the experiences that I was lacking that I might either want to gain or to acknowledge and accept, hey, I don't have that experience, but I have all of these others around it that could help me. By building that one pager and using that as a basis of conversation with, with various leaders who were, whether they were mentors or, uh, um, or my direct line manager, it was a really good way for us to talk about what is that vision and what is it that I'm trying to build towards. And, and it would help in the conversation of what experiences do I need? What skills do I need to build? And how can, uh, you know, in partnership with that person, how can we help me get there? I love that you went after experiences versus like a specific spot on the C-suite or in leadership or that sort of thing. That that means a lot, I think. So I'm curious, what made you um, leave Nike and drew you to Crocs? One of the things that, you know, that, that drew me to Crocs is, you know, clearly I have a background in consumer brands. I was at Nike for a long time. Early in my career, I was at Colgate Palmolive. And, and as a, I mentioned, at, at the core, I consider myself a consumerist. And Crocs, is an iconic brand with an incredible growth trajectory, product that is based in innovation and offers something that is tangible to a consumer and, and are really connecting with consumers in I think very innovative ways. So all of those pieces about the business were a huge attraction for me. But what actually really was the turning point for me with Crocs is the brand's culture. And that comes back to the brand talks about come as you are. And it's one that is people first and consumer centric. And to be part of a brand that, uh, that really expressed itself externally and acted the same way internally was something that was, uh, was really motivating and, and really clinched the deal for me as to why I wanted to be part of the organization. And, and I'm very fortunate to, uh, to have been invited to join it. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious how you interpret come as you are and how you encourage your, your team to, to do the same and have that mentality. I think, you know, come as you are is, is really about celebrating individuality, uniqueness and self-expression. And, and it is a, a message that resonates with our consumers, but it's also really authentic to our brand. And you can take that really at, at multiple levels. So whether it's, at the individual level, right? You can tell a lot about our people literally by the shoes they wear to work, the, the Crocs on their feet, where we encourage self-expression and, and you know, our products help people do that. Gibbets are a wonderful way to express yourself uh, through, through the footwear that, that you're wearing. So it's sort of versus just being you, whatever that is. I'm a lady who has red hair. I'm me, right? That's kind of how I show up. Um, and, and that's what I love is I can express myself as an individual in, in whatever way I want. Then it's at the team level, <clears throat> we don't compromise. And so our teams accept and support the needs around them. So, you know, if people have something they need to do uh, from a family point of view or a community point of view, everyone's got a full life and, and we accept that and we celebrate that. And then the last piece is as a brand, it certainly as a brand, uh, I think, you know, 
hopefully many of our of your listeners out there are familiar with our brand and how we show up of, of really celebrating uh, people from all types of uh, backgrounds and and experiences and to really use that as a point of celebration. And so as a brand, we do that externally, but also internally. We have come as you are council so that employees can have a voice in our inclusivity policies. We have town halls to recognize and celebrate the accomplishment of our team members personally and professionally. And we keep finding ways to celebrate really everyone's individuality and how together we create a fabric that is Crocs. Yeah, I love that. And I think probably your employees love that too. I'm curious with the come as you are mindset, um, I'm sure that your leadership style has changed over time. And I'm sure that the come as you are mindset has helped with that change. So can you talk a little bit about how you've seen your leadership style change in your career? Yeah, you know, I think leadership is something you can always get better at. It is, it is a constant work in progress and a moving target that really requires a lot of self-reflection. You know, we each uh, are, are growing every moment as individuals and, and as leaders and circumstances uh, help us to build new, new muscle. With that, there's a couple of tenets that I would say really guide my leadership. And these have in fact been sort of really at the core of, of, uh, of how I think about leading. The first is manage the work, but lead the people. And this shift really unlocked a new way of thinking. And, and specifically the words that were, uh, were given to me was, hey, M, focus on the team, not the goal. And this had a major influence on how I think about team and culture. Prior to that, I was someone who branded myself as really a team member you could count on to get the job done. I would hit the goal. Right? That's, that's, and I would drive to that. But the, when I refocused my attention to the team, what was amazing and interesting is that the team, when we started first with the team, they became more integrated. They became more empowered. And in fact, we more than exceeded the goals we had set out because we were a team. And so you know, the guidance was, hey, don't forget about the goal. But make sure as you're focusing on that goal, the real focus is the people and the goal is, is the outcome. So that's sort of the first piece. And I, I, I try to live to that uh, and ma managing that balance, but manage the work and lead the people. If the team succeeds, then the goal will follow. Correct. That. Correct. It's the, the, the goal, the financials, all those pieces are a, an outcome of the incredible work the teams are able to do together. Mm -hmm. And again, you always need the goals as the guidelines, as the where we're trying to get to them. And absolutely, I'm as competitive as, as uh, they come in terms of wanting to hit those goals, if not exceed them. But it's the how and it's, the, it's the, where the mental energy comes from is really important to not take attention away from the people when we're trying to drive towards a goal. And the other piece that's kind of connected to that is really about thinking about excellence and not perfection. I, I actually have on my desktop uh, a little quote from Voltaire, perfect is the enemy of good. And you know, it, it is this idea of perfection you know, should not be confused with delivering work at a high standard. Excellence is really important, but there comes a point where we also have to say great, 
we're moving the bar up in the level and the, the level of uh, excellence that we're delivering, but we also need to keep moving the business forward, making decisions, uh, letting people learn as they go. So it's sort of how do we find that balance, but thinking excellence and not perfection is a good way to be able to, to uh, execute well and with excellence without getting tied up in, in making it perfect before we're ready to go. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. Um, you mentioned teams and I wanna ask you uh, how you've been keeping your team motivated. This has been um, an issue that our members have brought up a lot of you know trying to keep morale up, trying to stop burnout or prevent burnout as we're kind of navigating this hybrid work schedule or work from home schedule, you know, how do you accommodate both the, the work from home and the people that are coming into the office? So um, how have you been motivating your team? Yeah, so even as Crocs has navigated uh, the pandemic, retention and, and engagement have remained incredibly high. Some of that, I think, comes back to this strong culture of celebrating and, and recognizing individuality through come as you are. Uh, but also it's about, you know, how we learn the value of transparency and collaboration and that we can do that in multiple ways, whether that is in the physical or the virtual, the virtual world. In terms of the way that we uh, manage through it, Crocs did a great job of very quickly leveraging resources for us to be able to shift into virtual world, whether that was, you know, typically, most typically through teams. And, and that's how we meet as often as we, you know, uh, on a very regular basis, as we transition back into the physical world. And, and at this point, we're in somewhat of, of a hybrid where we've allowed uh, you know, we, we have invited and asked people back into the office. We have varying personas where some people are fully remote, others are, are in a hybrid back in the office several days a week. It's now about finding those spots of where do we find the strongest value in meeting in the physical world and where can we still find value uh, leveraging technology and tools like Teams. So finding these key moments to come together is really important opportunities like town halls or an offsite or a meeting where we're coming together to be uh, to think about the future or to solve problems. There are, there are important spots where we can come in and, and be together and we're working through making sure we find the areas where we want to be together and those where we say, hey, it's still the, the uh, uh, virtual world works well for this group. As it happens, I'm based in Portland, so I actually uh, do a lot of my work remotely and uh, and interact with my team that is is spread out in in Denver and Boston. So, teams and working this way has been really really helpful for us, and we found ways to be very productive and to accelerate our work. And there are also times uh, I head into Denver uh, as often as I can every couple of weeks. I'm in for several days and I'm able to have that human touch and, and really work with the teams one-to-one, -one, which I so appreciate doing. That's awesome. Yeah, it seems like every company is kind of figuring out their own style when it comes to that. So very interesting. Okay, so and the last question I want to ask you about, and I often ask this of our podcast guests, because obviously our focus is on women in retail. So I'm curious throughout your career, if there were ever any challenges that you faced specifically as a woman in the retail industry. 
I love this question. And, and what I'd like to say is that I see myself as a leader and not necessarily as a female leader. And that's a difficult balance to achieve. But first and foremost, I'm a leader who likes to serve consumers in a marketplace. With that said, it is important to recognize being female. And a couple of things that I think about as being a female leader is, is really that I hold the cards. Any individual holds the cards. And, and so this comes back to that sense of don't shy away from being yourself at work about come as you are to recognize who you are as a whole person. And this is back to whether you're female or male, uh, this is bringing your whole self and, and don't apologize for it. I do try to be aware of dynamics at work to find ways to create personal relationships with coworkers that help build bridges and push my ideas forward. And ultimately, if a work environment isn't willing to accept or support those needs, then, then it's just not a place for me to be. And so this sort of ties back to, to being female. Sometimes I will find younger females in the workforce are apologizing because they want to uh, uh, manage other priorities that are outside of work or they're not feeling that they're connected into the organization. And again, that's where I come back to never apologize for what you need to do to be a whole human and bring your whole self to the organization because that's the whole self that's going to flourish within it if it's a place for you and, and that culturally is the right place for you to, to flourish. Yeah, I love that. That's, that's great. Well, Em, I think we are out of time, but I want to thank you so much for joining us on Women in Retail Talks, and I can't wait to see what you do next with Crocs. Thank you. It's been, uh, it's been really fun to spend some time with you. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please go to womeninretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Women in Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review our show. Lastly, if you're a female retail leader interested in joining our community at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, visit womeninretail.com slash apply. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Women in Retail Talks.